This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Hi, and welcome to Tian Tehillim. This class is being sponsored for Shraga Fival Halevi Ben Pinchas, Le'iloi Nishmas. Um, I believe it was his yard site last week. He was a Holocaust survivor, and he had a beautiful midah that we could all learn from, the midah of Kibbut of Aim. And there was a nice story that the, the sponsor wanted me to share with you, that he, during the Six-Day War, he went to visit his elderly sick father to take care of him, even though bullets were flying overhead. So he had extreme self-sacrifice for the for the mitzvah of Kibbut of Aim. And also, Le'iloi Nishmas, Avram Ari ben Pinchas, who had tremendous emuna and positivity, and he looked at life in a way that gave him menucha sanefesh. Somebody asked him, he had, he had arthritis in his leg. Somebody asked him, how are you doing? And he said, I'm good, Baruch Hashem. You know, I, I, I try to think about the other foot. I, I'm grateful for the other foot. So that's a beautiful lesson for all of us, very appropriate with what we talk about all the time. Uh, about mindset and what to focus on and how our focus dictates our mood. And also, this class is also being sponsored for anyone who happens to need a shidduch right now. This parak includes ideas, you know, underlying ideas about shidduchim. So it should be a schos for anyone who needs to find their zivog uh, bekarov. Okay, so we're going to be looking at an amazing parak, a parak that's very close to all of our hearts. It's parak Kuf Chaf Aleph, and I, I, I think we pretty much all of us know it by heart. It's Shir La Malos Esaenai, and I'm excited. I'm really excited to be able to bring this parak to life for all of us. I think it'll make a big difference in our life when we understand the deeper meanings of it all. And of course, I hope that the tools that I give over to you will, Mertz Hashem, be of service to you as well. So just as a brief introduction, there are 15 Shir Hamalos. It starts out in Parakuf Chaf. In chapter 120, we start with the Shir Hamalos. And they're called Shir, and, and this here, Parakuf Chaf Aleph, is therefore the second one of the Shir Hamalos. And they're called that because Shir Hamalos means the song of the steps. They... The Shir Hamalos, these chapters were sung on the steps in the Beis Hamikdash. They were the Levium would stand on the steps and sing this song. Interestingly, this parak starts off Shir La Maalos, not a song of the steps. It's a song for the steps. So the question is, why is this one singled out to be called the song for the steps? And Rav Hirsch explains that. The reason why it's called a song for the steps is because the the messages that are being expressed here in this parak were meant to derive from these words strength and confidence to grow as people. And therefore, it's not just a song of the steps, but it's a song for the ascents. It's a song for going up. It's a song that we're supposed to use to help Drive us upwards. Now, my question was, when I read this Rav Hirsch, my question was like, but, okay, you know, makes sense, right? But what, if you're, if you know about what's going on in Tehillim, you know that the whole purpose of it 
is for growth and for ascension. So really, it should be every parak is here to teach us. We're not supposed to just read the words. We're supposed to be living it. Um, so that's my question, but Rav Hirsch is not here, unfortunately, and I can't ask him this. So just, I tried to think about it, in, you know, with my own seichel, and what I see in this parak is that there's such a strong message being driven home over and over and over about the idea of Hashem's protection and salvation and, and how, and how we, we, there's such a strong argument here against the concept of being small-minded. What do I mean? I mean that in other prakim, we see, yes, there's a lot of emun and there's a lot of us expressing our faith in Hashem, but there's also other things mixed in, different kinds of lessons or, you know, prayers for Hashem to help. Here, it's just one pasuk after the next. is talking about how extraordinary and how not human and how godly and how different Hashem's Shmira is, Hashem's watching over us is, and how we have to be, really stop living in our own limited view of things, and I talk about this all the time, and we have to go lemala, lemalos, we have to go lemala, we have to go ascend, leave our view of the way we think things could go, and recognize that and, you know, looking into this parak, every single pasuk is uh, really showing you how Hashem is not like human being. He's not like a Basar Vadam with all his limitations. He's lo yanam below yishan. He doesn't sleep. And he takes care of us in, in extraordinary ways that no human being could take care of us. And it's just one pasuk after the next. And perhaps this is what makes this parak so powerful. It's all here, right here. And we should use it, lamala, to go lamala with the way we think and not be narrow and not be constricted and not limit ourselves, but to recognize that we're not dealing with a natural, you know, a God who needs to go by the rules of nature. And this is really the theme of the whole parak. We're, the, the God that we were given to, that we have to watch over us is, is watching over us for, in, in a way that we can't understand, in a way that's way beyond our comprehension. And therefore, we really have to step out and, and, and step out of our realistic views and adopt a more spiritual, expanded mindset. So, we're going to use this parak to take chizuk in all areas of our life. But I, at the end, I'm going to give you some tools specifically on the idea of Shaduchim. Like we said, this parak is, you know, it should be a schus for all the people who need Shaduchim. And I want to give you, I want to take the opportunity we see here in this parak. It says, May I in Yavo Ezri. And some of the commentaries say that Ezri means like my, my, my Azer, my Azer Kenegdo, my match. Like, where is my match going to come from? Ezri Vehem Hashem, my match is coming from Hashem. So I want to talk a little bit about Shaduchim, and I want to show you how there are some, there's some inkling, we can gain a, an inkling, uh, a very strong one in this parak about how we can actually attract the right spouse into our life. And so I want to take this opportunity, something that we never really spoke about, to introduce some new ideas that you might not have considered yet in looking for the right mate. But um, really, even if you're not looking for a spouse, even if you don't know anyone in Shaduchim, really this, the, the tools that I'm going to teach you are applicable to all of us. And the principles apply to anything good that we want to attract into our life. So 
Here we go. Look inside. Parakuf Chaf Aleph. If you have a Tehillim, that's great. Pasuk Aleph. Shir Lamalos Asainai Ala Harim Meayin Yavo Azri. A song for a sense. I turn my eyes to the mountains. From where will my help come? So, Asainai Ala Harim. Ibn Ezra says, I, I lift my eyes to the mountains. He's, he says that this, this Pasuk is painting a picture of a person who's in a siege. You know, in those days they, they had wall, you know, the Yerushalayim was surrounded by a wall and then people would, would surround the wall to make sure that no one could come in or out. So it's, to, it's painting that picture of a person who's stuck in that siege and he, he has nowhere to look but up. And he's looking, Yerushalayim Harim Savivla, he's looking around at the mountains, he's looking up and he's saying, when is somebody going to come to save me? Where is the Savior? And um, this is very, something that we could all relate to. We get into difficulties, we get into challenges, and we seek salvation. And we, we're like, when is this going to end? When am I going to catch a break with Parnassah, with Shalom Bayis, with Shadokim, with health? So very much, this parak very much applies to every area of our life. May I in Yavo Ezri. This is a question, but it's also an answer. The word may I in means from where? From where is my help going to come? But it also means may I in. My help is going to come may I in. May I in means from nothing. What does this mean? My help is going to come from nothing. It means that the way that Hashem brings us salvation it's, it's not something that we can comp- comprehend. It seems for, for us, from our perspective, it seems to come from nothing. It seems to come from thin air. But really, it's Hashem's help. It's just that it's beyond reason. The way He helps us is beyond the, the laws of nature and therefore unfathomable, unfathomable and non-existent to our minds. To give you an example, I heard a very nice idea a while back about Sarah Imenu, that she didn't have, you know, it says that she, she not only that she was an Akara and she didn't have children, not only that she had like a little fertility issue, but she actually had no rechem, she had no womb, she had no infrastructure to carry a child. Now that's pretty extreme, right? Why did it have to be that way? Why did Hashem have to make it that she really had such an extreme situation? Like, she could have had a small fertility issue, and, and without all the technology that they had back then, that could have been enough to explain why she didn't have kids. But Hashem made her with no womb. And why is this? And the reason is because Masa Avos that What happens to our Avos is supposed to be something that we live with, a lesson for our lives. And this is a major chizuk. And the chizuk is, for generations, Hashem wanted all of us to know, I am above teva. I am lemala, like we're reading, shir lamalos. I am lemala. I don't need any physical, natural means in order to bring about a Yeshua, in order to bring somebody anything. Uh, and this is something that's very comforting, and we should all take it with us. May I in Yavo Ezri, our, our Ezra will come from nothing. So stop saying, well, I, I, I don't see how this could work out, so it's not going to work out. What are you saying, right? What are you saying? Hashem is Oseshemayim Va'aretz. We're going to get to that. So the Medrash actually says that this Perek is a reflection of Yaakov Avinu's feelings as he fled to the house of Lavan. And he said, 
Esa enai el haharim, and harim, he meant horim. I lift my eyes to my parents. Why? Me'ayin yavo ezri, because I want to know, where is my Ezra, my my Ezri, sorry, my Ezer? Where is my match going to come from? I look at my parents, and I see that, how did my father find, how did Yitzchak find Rivka? He, he, Eliezer had camels of, of, of riches and of rich gifts over there. And he's saying, I'm empty handed. I don't have any of that. May I and Yavoazri, how am I going to find my zivav? And, and of course, he continues and he shows that he's not discouraged. Ezri may im Hashem, Ose Shemayim Varetz. I don't have to rely on any natural means because my, my reliance is all coming, is all, is all on Hashem. And, you know, the more we live with this idea of living in this transcendent state of knowing that anything could happen at any time to get us out of our troubles, the faster we're going to, the more we're going to see miracles and the faster we're going to see salvation in our life. Being realistic, quote unquote, and saying this is never going to change, you know, that never got anyone anywhere. And my friends, the real truth is that people do have babies after 20 years of waiting. And money does land in our laps often out of nowhere. And people get married at the age of 52. All these things happen. And there's so many abnormal Yeshuos and the, the level of abundance that we're living is so out of the ordinary. None of anything makes any bit of sense. So the key for us is to stay the Lamala that we're talking about here in this parak, the sheer Lamalos, is the, to, to stay aligned with this truth and to constantly live with the belief that anything is possible for me. Anything can happen to me. Ezri me'im Hashem, Ose Shamayim va'aretz. My help comes from Hashem who made the heaven and the earth. You know, especially when it comes to Shaduchim, now that we're on that topic, especially people worry so much about, you know, all types of things. A million, there's a million things that can make a person feel like I'm not worthy of, 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 of the, you know, of the best person. Uh, it could be someone worrying that their nose is an inch too long, that their seminary they went to is not training neurosurgeons, that uh, their yichas or their, their money or this or that. There's a million issues that people, the family situation, people could say, you know, I'm limited because of that. And it's like, well, take a look. Ezri me'im Hashem. He made the heavens and the earth. I mean, like, stop and think about this for a second, right? He created the heavens and the earth. Nobody helped him. He created it from nothingness. Sarah Imenu had a baby from nothingness. He doesn't need your nose job. He doesn't need your 5, 10 pounds. He doesn't need your family to be perfect. He doesn't need anything from you. He created the heavens and the earth. He will not let your foot falter, and he will not, your guard will not slumber. So the Malbim is saying here that, you know, again, on this theme of Hashem's protection 
far surpassing the protection that any human being could even dream of. He's saying here that any human bodyguard who would be, you know, who would have to stand at his post for more than his shift, if he, you know, at some point he falls asleep, right? We're human. But, um, but Shomrecha, your guardian, Hashem, never falls asleep, which reminds me of a crazy story. Um, I never told this, I don't think I really told this to many people, but why not? Um, basically I was in the country and I was in a car service and he, he had to drive me a pretty long way and I'm sitting in the back seat and, uh, you know, I, I, I take a glance into the rear view mirror and I noticed at some point that his blinks were going from like an eighth of a second per blink to like a minute to, uh, sorry, to a second and, and a half per blink. And and I started, you know, getting uh, slightly ner- nervous, um, you know, and I'm like, okay, listen, I'm not a person who's confrontational. I really don't like to like confront people, but like, hi, I have like four kids waiting for me at home and this is no joke. So, you know, wake up, y'all, you got to say something. So I said, so I started off very nicely and, you know, I said, sir, you know, it looks like you're a little tired. Why don't we stop for a drink or, you know, take a little break? And he's like, no, he was denying it completely. I'm not tired. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm going. So I sit there. He drives a little more. I see he's still falling asleep at the wheel. Could you imagine? I'm, I'm pachad. I'm terrified. So at some point I, and I say, sir, I, I like had to put on my, you know, I had to put on my strong, uh, big girl voice. I said, sir, pull over. I'm getting in the front seat and I'm driving. I said, don't worry. I'm not going to tell your boss. I'm not going to tell, you know, anybody about this. Of course, now I'm telling it to how many people, uh, uh thousands of people in tow anytime. But at the time I said, I'm not going to tell anybody who, you know, I'm not going to tell anyone who you are or that this happened. I need to get home to my kids and I, I don't have time for you to take a two hour nap right now, nor are you even agreeing with the fact that you're falling asleep. So let me drive. So he got into the back seat. He looked at me incredulously like, Lady, are you kidding me? And I'm like, no, I'm not kidding you. I got to get home in one piece. And I sat in the front seat and I drove back to, you know, to back home. I drove the car service guy back home. Um, and this just, you know, like we think in life, like I could rely on this person. You know, he must be experienced. He's how many years is he driving a car service for? Like this is his, his whole malacha. Like he knows what to do. And it's like, no. You know, human, we're all human and we have vulnerabilities, but Al Yanam Shomrecha, Hashem is constantly watching over us. Never will, does he decide to take a nap and, and, and leave us alone and, and let us live on autopilot. He never sleeps. He doesn't slumber nor sleep. Again, the same idea. The word Yanam and the word Yishan. Yanam comes from Tnuma. Tnuma is like talking about like a, a deep sleep that a person falls into from physical exhaustion, from exerting themselves. And Yishan, Shana, is the sleep that we do every night. We are routine, regular sleep that we fall into. So it's saying both of these. You should never think that, you know, the first second Hashem is not putting anybody else, no substitute is going to have to take over his post. He's constantly there. Hashem Shomrecha, Hashem Tzilcha, Ayad Yeminecha. He's your guardian. He's your protection at your right hand. So let's look at the words Hashem Tzilcha. Hashem is your shade, your protector. Rabbi Gamliel also says that Hashem Tzilcha means that Hashem is your shadow. That just as a shadow copies the shape and the movements of whatever it's shadowing, 
so too you might think that, you know, Hashem makes all the calls and you're just sitting here as a bystander going along with it. No. He says, you, you are what Hashem is shadowing. He is taking the cues from you. You initiate the way you want your life to be, the way you want things to be. If you're compassionate, he's going to show you compassion. If you're happy, he's going to bring more happiness into your life. If you're forgiving, he'll forgive you. A nice way to look at the idea of jealousy is if I'm happy for somebody else, then Hashem is going to bring me happiness. If I'm being happy, I'm going to get more happiness. So, you know, a person could say, why should I forgive? Why should I be happy for the other person? What's the point anyways of working on jealousy? I'm just annoyed that they have what I don't. Guess what? There is a point. And there's a point for you. Because if, if you're generous of spirit and you have an eye in tova and you're able to be happy for other people, then guess what? You too. You're, you're, Hashem will shadow that. And he'll be, he'll forgive you. And he'll bring you happy things. By day, the sun will not strike you, nor the moon by night. So Rav Hirsch says that since Hashem is our shade, is our protector, he makes sure, you know, on a deeper level here, he makes sure that when the Shemesh is out during the day, when things are going really well in our life, when we're getting compliments, when we're feeling amazing, he, Hashem is making sure that we, we don't get inflated, that our ego is not getting inflated, that it's not making us into crazy, you know, crazy egotistical people and in the lila in the night he makes sure that when things are challenging that we're able to handle it and that we're able to deal with it and get through it so just to give you an example you know like we yes we have to work to stay in in a state of equilibrium where we're not either feeling too good about ourselves or feeling down in the dumps and crushed of course we work on this but think about it like he, Hashem really enables us to do it. If you think about it, it should be much harder for us to handle difficulties and not, and to not get inflated when we're having success. But we're able to remain mostly steady. And it's really miraculous. Someone in my life, uh, you know, went through a very big tragedy. And for a while, I was, I, you know, I wasn't functioning. I wasn't functioning from it. Now, I'm not so close with this person. But it was, I took it very, very hard. And I went to a wise person for some advice. And they said to me something that I'll never forget. He said to me, you're taking it so hard because it's not happening to you. And you're just looking at it from afar. And you're saying, if that would have happened to me, I don't know what I would do with myself. Like, how does anyone deal with that? It's impossible. But them, the people who are dealing with it firsthand, they're getting special divine assistance. They're getting major, major uh, comfort, and they're being cushioned from Hashem. So therefore, they're able to handle it. And it's so true. I remember going through a difficult time myself, and I remember thinking, um, what I'm going through is so hard, I, I should be in so much pain from it. But, you know... For the most part, I really did feel like there was like an on-staff anesthesiologist who was who was pumping me up with uh, anesthesia and and helping me to get through the challenge and to get through the pain without feeling like I intellectually knew this should be very difficult, but I was able to handle it in in in, in such an incredible way. It was so clear that this this was a shot of anesthesia that Hashem was supporting me. Yomam Hashem Balayla in the nights. He takes care of us. Hashem yishmarcha mikalra yishmaris nafshecha. Hashem will guard you from all harm. He'll guard your life. 
So the Alshach says, what does it mean, Yishmar Chomikara? It means what he has to protect you from bad actually means that when we do bad things, well, they know we do evil things, we all make mistakes, um, you know, it's, so what happens? Avera, the, na- the nature is Avera Goreris Avera. One negative thing leads to more negative things. If I eat a muffin for breakfast, I'll probably end up eating chocolate with a cucumber for lunch, and then supper might be pizza with french fries, and uh, why not? Throw in some Zeppelis. I started out with a muffin, why not, right? But, so that's what it's saying here. It's saying, Hashem gives us actually the ability to curtail the damage so that, you know, I could still eat my muffin for breakfast and go on to have my fiber one and my yogurt and my, you know, whatever protein. Um, we do have this ability. He saves us from the bad consequences of our negative actions. Hashem Yishmar Hashem will guard your goings and comings now and forever. The Gemara says a beautiful story about this. There was a Roman Empire, Hadrian, and he sent messengers to retrieve his nephew, Uncleus, who converted to Judaism. The problem was every time he sent his messengers to go get him, Uncleus somehow ended up engaging them in conversation, and they ended up coming back. The messengers ended up being converted to Judaism. So after a bunch of tries, you know, Hadrian, King Hadrian said, listen, do not, I forbid you from speaking to Uncleus. Just go get him and bring him here. So they went to go get him. And as they're leaving the house, they're bringing, they're taking him to the king, to the emperor. As they're leaving the house, Uncleus says to that, points to the mezuzah and he says, do you know what this is? And they're like, listen, we can't talk, buddy. So you, you know, do, just get, say what you want to say and let's go. And, um, Uncleus said, the way of the world, and he's pointing to the mezuzah and he's saying, the way of the world is that a human monarch sits inside the palace and the servants and the and the soldiers are outside guarding him but with our god it's the opposite his servants and his soldiers are inside the palace and he and god guards them from outside as it is written hashem yishmar tzeischa uvoecha me'atav olam Wow, what a beautiful parak. What a beautiful parak. Just to review, we, the main idea really here was the me'ayin yavo azri, um, you know, that, 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 that Hashem created the heaven and the earth and that He doesn't need, He, He created sorrow without a womb to show us that He doesn't need our help. And this is something that Yaakov Avinu understood when he was looking for his helpmate, that it's okay if he doesn't have tons of stuff, tons of money on him. It's okay, right? Those things are not important. As we may Hashem, he created the heaven and the earth. The buck doesn't stop here, right? He's not going to all of a sudden stop taking care of you. He doesn't need your help. He doesn't need your five pounds, your nose, your seminary, your family, your money, your anything. And... And we spoke about that if you believe, you know, I think I said this, if you believe in those worries that they're going to hold you back, then they will hold you back. But if you get into this sheer lamalos, if you get into this transcendent place where you're recognizing that he's not human, he's lo yanam lo yishan. He, he doesn't, he doesn't close his eyes for a second. There's nothing about him that resembles any humans in any way. He stands outside guarding us servants inside. Everything he does is something that we can't comprehend. If you get on that train and you're, you're in that mindset and you're able to stay on that, then you're going to experience incredible miracles in your life.
So we said, Hashem Tzilcha, Hashem is your shadow. And I want to use this idea, and we spoke about it, that if we're nice, then we'll have nice experiences come into our life. And, and this, this is so, this is such a major topic, well beyond, way beyond the scope of this class, you know, that our behaviors and our feelings and our thoughts, they're all going to be reflected back to us in our environment. They're all going to be mirrored, you know, mirrored to us. The better, more we work on ourselves, the better our life is going to be. So I want to use this idea in discussing and going back to this topic about Shaduchim. And I want to show you how we could use, how we could harness this power of Hashem shading us and being, of Hashem being our shadow. How we can harness that power to, 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 to create a situation where we're attracting the right type of person. So the first thing, here are two ideas that I'm going to give you. The first idea is if you want to get somebody amazing, you need to be amazing. You need to look at your own traits because like we said, you will see that come into your outer reality. And that's the type of person you're going to draw in. What you are is what you draw in. So I want you to make a list. Um, and if it's not you, if it's somebody else that you know in Shadokim, you could tell them about this. To make a list of, let's say, 10 traits that they must have in a, in a guy. And now when we're talking about must have traits, we're talking about like serious traits, like honesty and loyalty and, and generosity and kindness and, and care and warmth, like real, real things, not, you know, not external superficial things, right? A list of 10 must have things and make a chart and make, you know, fold your paper into three columns. And in the right column going down, you're going to write all the traits. Every trait goes on a different line. All the things that you're looking for in in your pretend in your husband and in your spouse. And then in the in the ne- and then next to it, the other two columns, you're going to use those columns to rate yourself. You know, you're not going to rate yourself. You're going to ask two people, pick two other people in your life who could be objective and ask them to be very brutally honest with you and to rate you out of 10 on each one of these line items. And then go back to it and then and see, where am I lacking? Where did I score under an 8, let's say? And now you know the areas that you need to work on and what you need to focus on. Now you're going to really be aware of it and, you know, I'm, and then, and then get to work and I'm happy to try to help any of you. You know, you could always reach out to me. Um, I really specialize in this, helping people to, you know, work on their midos and to become better people, to attract better into their life. So, um, I'm happy to help you out on that. Y'all Bertram at gmail.com. But you want to make sure that you first get a very clear idea of where you're holding and where the work needs to be. And then when you, you know, as you work on this, you're going to be meriting a better and better and better uh, shirach. Okay, so even if you don't need a shirach, work on yourself in this way. And everybody should do this because it will attract good things into your life. It will, if you're happy, you'll have happy things happen to you. If you're positive, things will be positive. If you're, you know, if you're a caring, nice person, you'll attract hopefully caring, nice people. So be, you know, be introspective and sit down and do this exercise. The second thing that I want to say is that you should work on feeling worthy of something special, like get in touch with your self-worth, because whatever you think you're worth, that's what you're going to end up with. If you think you're eh, so you'll end up finding somebody who's eh. So how do we work on our self-esteem? And now we spoke in previous classes a lot on this topic, and we gave lots of different tools and tips, and here's another one that I think is very, very helpful for specifically for Shadokim, or really for anything, 
Um, and I'll give you an example to explain what it is. So I had somebody come to me who had, who was single and trying to find the right one. And she came in one day very down on herself, like berating herself that she has major dental issues and it's all her fault and she probably eats too many sweets and, and maybe she's not careful enough and, and she's not responsible about her brushing and she was like really talking down on herself and it was making her so upset and so sad and so angry. And I said to her, listen, if you want to find a compassionate, kind husband, the first thing that you have to do is change the script of the way you're talking to yourself. The way you're talking to yourself, that's what you're, that's what you're going to bring into your life. Somebody's going to talk. That was likely the way somebody spoke to you in your past. And that's why you learned to speak to yourself that way. And that's likely what you're going to draw in in your future. So the first thing that you need to do is to change the script of how you talk to yourself. And I told her from now on, and I saw this in a book, and I think it's a great tip. I said, from now on, when you speak to yourself, you know, start with this topic with your teeth. Talk to yourself in a way that you would want your husband to speak to you. Don't talk to yourself with your critical voice. Step out of that. Change the whole way that you, you refer to yourself. And she came back the following week. She felt much better. She told me that she did this and it made her feel much better. And I said, what did you say to yourself? And she said, she said, sweetheart, don't worry. You know, you, you, I always see you brushing and flossing your teeth. You're doing the best you can. You have so much on your plate. You're doing such a great job. Don't be so hard on yourself. Uh, and it was just, you know, it, it, it's really a beautiful idea. We should start talking to ourselves the way we want other people to treat us. Okay, so these two ideas, making a list of traits that you want in a spouse, and then rating, you're getting two other people to rate you on them, and then finding where exactly you need to work on yourself, and also working on your self-esteem by speaking to yourself in a different way. It's gonna, it's gonna create a change. Little by little, when you start to focus on speaking to yourself kindly, it creates big changes in the way you view yourself. So I hope we can go back to saying this beautiful parak of Shmira with a greater understanding, with a greater kavana, and I hope that every time we say it, that we're able to remind ourselves to transcend our small-minded version of reality and get on the miracle train and merit endless blessings and salvations in our lives. Thank you for listening.